Well, the last couple of weeks, um, I, I, was, I had a different message I wanted to preach today. Um, and um, I, I wanted, I changed it up a little bit. Uh, after the first of the year, I will continue on some of the, uh, the messages that I was on. But I, I, I know that this week we're going to be today, and then next week we'll have a Christmas program. So I didn't want it to be too long. I've talked about the end times. I've talked about hell. I've talked about uh, rapture and some of those things. But I do not want to leave us in this season, in this season without hope of of that we don't have to face those things. We don't have to go through um, the things that I've been talking about through the, the tribulation and stuff. And, and so I, I want to talk to you today about how to make heaven your home. Okay, and I'm going to bring out some different things because it's one thing to know, well, I don't have to go there, but what, how, do I, how do I keep from going there? I may know that I don't have to, but what's my option, okay? And so you may be struggling, and I see this all uh, throughout uh, people in churches where they've been a Christian for a long time, but they really don't know how to talk to somebody about the Lord. They really don't know some of the answers. And, and so uh, I want to share some of those things with you this morning uh, in, in the message, uh, because it is important. We don't have to go through the tribulation. We, we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to suffer the, the, the eternal punishment that was created for Satan and his, and his demons, okay? We don't have to do that. It is important that we understand. It's not to scare the hell out of you. Come on. That's should be, you should be scared of, 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 of hell in a sense of I don't want to go there. But we should know that there's a loving Savior that wants, that wants us and has always desired for us to be his child, to be, be saved. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. <clears throat> um, I, I, I want to say this. I was, when we was worshiping here in the last part of that song, uh, my dad always had some phrases that would come to mind. And, you know, it's, it's funny how those phrases come to mind at the most, seem like the most weird times. And, and so if you still got your dad around, pay attention to what he's saying. He may be saying some good stuff. I had a godly father that, you know, um, he wasn't a theologian and wasn't profound in, in a lot of his stuff until I got older. <laughs> and I was down here worshiping and talking about God turn it around. Turn it around. And, you know, turn it around, I meant like God do a 180. And that's what I spent. God do a 180 in somebody's life. If they're going in this trajectory or this is happening in their life or in their body, Lord, turn that around. Just the opposite. And my dad used to have the phrase, he'd say, boy, I stopped on a dime. And that's just the way I feel God was talking to me this morning saying, I'm going to stop that on a dime. I mean, it's going to be. You ever, you ever try to stop something on a dime? On me either. But, man, that's got to be quick. Stop that on a dime, God. I just wanted to share that with you. That was just something in my heart. I believe God's going to stop something right now on a dime, just right now. Amen? Woo, hallelujah. Okay, so let's get into the, into the message today. Um, are we ready? Hallelujah. We got a new, new screen right there. And, man, it's going to be all right because I'm going to be able to see what I'm reading to you here in a minute. 
I don't give them all my mess, all the text. I, I give them all the tech, biblical text, but I add stuff that I don't give to them so it's my thoughts. Because sometimes I'm slow and I like to write it down in case I forget it and it jogs my memory. Amen? But uh, so you, you'll still have it on the screen. Uh, it'll just be for me and the worship team. Uh, you didn't notice, but the worship team could look up here and see their, their uh, words and different things. So uh, announcements are scrolling up there. So if you're in here in, in the morning time visiting, you can look right there. And those, mess, those things are scrolling. Kind of uppity. Yeah. Kind of cool, isn't it? I like cool stuff. You know, you know how we was able to do that? Because you give. You give, and we just, we, we able to, amen. Thank you for giving. Let's get into the word today. Today we are living in a world that says if you're good enough or have good morals, you can make it to heaven. And after all, why would a loving God send someone to hell that is a good person, that has good morals? I mean, that sounds logical now, doesn't it? If you look at it from the surface, oh, that sounds good. He's good. You're good. Well, we ought to be, enjoy the same place forever. Here's the problem. Salvation is not a byproduct of good morals. Good morals is a byproduct of salvation. And we get those mixed up so many times. We turn them around and say, well, I can just be good enough if I give enough, if, I, if I'm kind enough, if I serve enough, if I do all these things, then I'm in. And that is as much a lie as anything else. That does not save you. So I want to answer a, a few questions this morning. So, number one, I'll start with this. So, how does one get saved or born again? I want to tell you a little story. It's not in my biblical notes of my text today. But there was this guy named Nicodemus, and he had a conversation with Jesus one evening. And the Lord told him that he needed to get saved. And and the conversation, or born again, and the conversation went something like this from Nicodemus. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm already old. How should I enter back into my mother's womb and be born again? And, of course, if you know the story, Christ says, no, it's by be born of water and spirit. In other words, give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to base this on today. So uh, is it God's will that we are saved, that we're all saved? Is it God's will... All right, first, first passage of Scripture, first, um, Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Now, look, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to train myself to look up here. See, it may take a while, so if I get confused and trip over myself, y'all just say, man, he's working on it, all right? That whoever believes in him, this is verse 15, should not perish but have eternal life. That's the first part. Now, we, we, we really that says the same thing as the next verse. Now, we know the second. We know verse 16. There's not a person here who probably can't quote John three sixteen, But the first 15 just sets up the stage, and 16 reiterates what verse 15 has said. So let's go to 16. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish but have 
Everlasting life is what we call salvation. That's a term. If you get everlasting life, if, if you have everlasting life, that's, that is salvation. Everlasting death is damnation in hell. Okay? okay. So, so it is God's will. Now watch this. Here's another one. In Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 10. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has, watch, I love this, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do, Do you understand that the sinner, that person that we write off, on the street that we write off at work because they they don't live right. Maybe they're um, uh, a liar, a thief, a fornicator, uh, a what, a drunkard, a liar, or whatever. We write them off and say, "Man, they're too far from gone." Do you know that God is seeking them? That's some, that just amazes me. I mean, surely we ought to have a one up on them, right? No. Sure, surely God's seeking us more than He's seeking them. No. He's come to seek the better lost. That just blows me away that God knew where I was and he's still following me. He said, I, I, need, I want you to serve me. It's God's will. He's seeking out the lost to be saved. This is good news. Amen. So if you're talking to someone about the Lord, I'm giving you some nuggets today on witnessing. You can start with something or say something. You know, the Lord's seeking you out. Here's what you'll hear a response. <laughs> Not me. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I've been doing. He ain't seeking me. Oh, yes, he is. Then you can lead in how much God loves them. I was excited about that part. So, number one, it's God's will that we're all saved. Number two. The Bible teaches us that there's only one way to Christ. Not many. All roads do lead to Christ. You just don't get to stay there, okay? You don't get a parking pass, okay? If you don't know Jesus, you just make the loop and go on back out, all right? Some of y'all don't like that either. There's only one way to Jesus, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and repentance. We'll talk about that in a minute. The Bible says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And that it is only found in Christ Jesus. John chapter 14, we'll start at verse 1 and go through verse 6. It says, let not your heart be troubled. I like that. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's talking to the disciples and different people, but he's mainly talking to the disciples. He said, look, you, you believe in God, believe in me. See, he's trying, to, he's trying to set this new stage of this thing called the New Testament, a new way. Because, see, even in the Gospels, you need to hear this, in the Gospels, until Jesus' death, do you know that they're still living under the old way of thinking, the old law? New, new, the New Testament, it starts a different page in the book. It says New Testament, but their thoughts and mentality until Christ dies, it's still old law. Nothing changes till he hits the cross, Amen. And, and, and the resurrection. So nothing changes. So he's trying to tell them, look, but you believe in God. Believe in me. The disciples, I can just see him. What in the world is he talking about? I don't know if I even understand all of this. But I love it. It says, that, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, don't be worried about this. You believe in God, believe in me. Next verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, 
I would have what? Told you. I go and prepare a place for you. I don't know about you, but I like where I live. I like my little old house. It's mine. It's, I like it. I can't imagine what my mansion's going to be like in heaven. I know one thing. People ask me what's going to be in heaven, whether it be dogs, whether it be cats, whether it be trees, whether it be this. Whether it be, I, I got a request. I don't want grass in my yard. Because <laughs> if they grass, I want, do we have to mow it? Will there be lawnmowers? Will they have a lawn service for some? I, I, my wife, we, 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 we differ. Now, I'm all about a pretty yard. I just don't want to have to make it pretty. My idea, my wife, I told some of the guys one time, I'll tell you this little story about uh, we, we were, we were in, the, in, the, in the spring of the year, and my wife said, I want you to spray your yard. I want our yard to look like everybody else's. I said, all right, I can do that. So I went in there with some great chemical we call gramoxone or paraquat. Kill anything. I killed it off. For everybody else is mowing. A week or two later, my wife said, is our yard ever going to come back? I said, honey, if God is good, it will not. But it did come back. That's just a little story about what might be heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. I see we're in verse, we're in verse uh, 2, aren't we? In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Each one of us, when you get saved, you, you are going to get a mansion all by yourself. Men, you can leave your dirty underwear on the floor. Won't mean a thing. Women, you ain't got to pick up behind them. You're going to have your own mansion. Come on. Woo! Glory. Whoop, whoop. Amen. That, that's going to be awesome. You're talking about a smart house. Everybody ever seen a smart house? Where you, where you need to do everything from, you lock your doors and cut your thermostat on, you do it from the phone. You ever done that? That's going to be nothing. That's going to be antiquated when you get to heaven. You won't need air conditioning when you get to heaven. Everything's going to be perfect. This is what we're talking about in heaven. Watch this. Let's go to verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That tells us that when, when at some point in your life, either by death or rapture, at some point there's going to be a separation. People will be with God and there will be people that will be with Satan and his demons because he said, I'm going to take you to myself with me. So if you're not saved, you don't get to go with Jesus. If you are unsaved, you don't know Jesus as you're saved, your friends, your family don't know Jesus, they will go to hell. That sounds like, uh, that, uh, what's the word I want to, uh, that is not politically correct today. You offended me, Pastor, because you said I was going to go to hell. Have you ever watched these interviews on television, especially when they try to get, they'll try to get Franklin Graham in, 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 a, in a corner. They'll say, well, now you're saying if they're not saved, they can't go to heaven. Or when they're interviewing for a, 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 a federal court-appointed position, they have all these questions in these times of, of whether they, they're going through the nomination process and appointment, and they try to spin the word and say, now, are you saying that this group here, if they don't accept Jesus, they can't go to heaven? You ever heard those debates? Those are real things. And I'm so thankful for people like Franklin Graham who say, yeah, that's right. They, they, they will go to hell. If they don't accept Jesus, they're going to hell. We don't really believe that in the church for the most part. Do you know most about 55 to 58% of evangelical Christians don't believe in a literal hell? If you don't believe in a hell, you don't think you're going to go there. That's over 50% of the church. 
what happened to the preachers? What happened to the pastors who was teaching these people? Let me move on. Um, verse, uh, verse 4. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Verse 5. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, watch what it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you don't go through Jesus Christ, if you don't go under the waterfall of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot be cleansed. You will not be forgiven of your sins. And therefore, if you're not forgiven of your sins, you will not spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. You will not inherit the mansion. He's coming back regardless for a group of people that have made him Lord and Master. So you need to know, you don't have to go through all these things for the last few weeks we've been talking about pertaining to the end times and hell and torment. Jesus is the only way. Thirdly, he tells us in his word in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, the narrow way is a difficult one. It bothers me to no end In other words, I won't get over it. I can't get past it. When people tell on television and uh, television preachers and preachers that aren't on television that if you get saved, your life's going to turn completely around. Well, that's a lie from hell. Your life is not going to turn completely around. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a difficult path according to Scripture. But worth every stumble, worth every bruise on the sole of your foot that you will receive if you continue to walk in Christ's commandments, in what the Bible teaches. It is worth every bruise. It is worth every scar. It is worth everything that you're going to go through. It is a difficult road. Are there blessings in Christ? Absolutely. Are there times of refreshing? Yes. You know what that tells me? If there's times of refreshing, there's got to be something I need to get refreshed from. Amen. I've never went on a vacation and said, man, let me come back home and say, man, I need to go on and get another vacation so I can get refreshed from the vacation. Matthew seven thirteen says this. Enter... By the narrow gate. For wide. How big? You remember the little song? Where you said, deep and wide. Deep and wide. Okay. I just wonder if y'all knew that has nothing to do with the message. I just want to know if y'all remember it. <clears throat> Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. Not only is the path broad, but the gate is wide. You know, most of the time, uh, my dad has a cattle ranch, and, and they have, um, what does he call it, a fan. He calls it a fan fence. I don't know if they a lane. Some of you used to be called lane. Where two fields, two pastures would come together, and they would be a, a fence come this way, and a fence come, and it would narrow down to a gate so they could funnel those cattle into a gate, and then it would be a lane, and you could take them right on into the crowd and do what you need to do. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. Them old dumb cows don't even know where they're going. You know, we keep squeezing them down. Starts wide, and you keep squeezing them down. Next thing you know, they're in a squeeze shooting just one cow in there. 
quarter of a mile over here, there's herd of cows. Plenty of room. I believe that's what Satan's doing to us today. He just keeps squeezing us down. We keep getting closer. We We don't even know. We're just going. Here's what the Bible says about that, though. That wide is that gate. You won't even know that you've been funneled down into something. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. It says, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in. How many? A lot. A lot of people sit in churches today, according to polls, not that it's not an opinion piece, according to polls that sit in church that believe that they're going to be okay, that they won't go to hell. But wide is this gate. Now watch this, next verse. Because narrow is the gate, and watch this next, and this, is a, this, is a, this word and is a conjunction. That means there's something that goes with this. So this gate is narrow, and it is difficult. It says, the diff- and difficult is the way which leads to life. Does the devil ever beat you up sometimes and sit on your shoulder and tell you, well, you're doing something wrong? Because if you're doing everything, God wouldn't let this happen. You wouldn't be in this situation. So there must be something wrong with you. You probably ain't even saved. Matter of fact, you probably ought to stop doing what you're doing at the church because you really ain't right with God. Because you got some difficulties in your life. Difficulties. Difficulties? We've all got difficulties. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches that if I have a difficult, that if I'm in difficulties, guess what? That leads me to life. I didn't, now, I'm not talking about you can get there because you got a difficult life. You still got to get Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It says, and there are few who find it. This life is difficult, and there's going to be a few that says, I'm going to persevere and go to the end. There's going, to have, there's going to be a lot of people that have a formula of godliness, but not the, the power thereof. There's going to be a bunch of people that can work good and do the right things, say the right things, do everything that's necessary to run a church and be right, and going to go to hell. Man. I thought I was going to get into this. Man. David, we should have talked about something else the other day at the sale. Me and him, we had church there at the sale the other day, didn't we, brother? See, you can talk about Jesus wherever you are. Yeah. Amen? Let's move on. The Bible also teaches us that the truth shall make you free. God is truth is what the Scripture tells us. But it's the truth that will set you free. Set you free from what? Well, sin. You're either a slave to Christ or you're a slave to sin. And we don't like to use that word anymore because that's not politically correct. But you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. That's your two options. And either you're going to serve the one, hate the other, or hate the other and serve the one. That's what Scripture teaches us. So how does the truth make us free? John 8, 31 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, watch this, this is crucial. To your walk, 
to you standing in right relationship with Christ. If you abide, that means to stay in, to abode, to make camp, to hang out, to set up house. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. That's what it's about. That's what the Bible says. If you abide in my word. Next verse. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How are you going to know the truth? Abide in his word. If you abide in his word, the word resonates in your spirit, and it delivers you, sets you free from the bondage of sin. Are you perfected the moment you get saved? No, you're saved. You'll be perfect when you enter to heaven. You will be in the process of working things out while you live here. If you don't believe me, what are you dealing with right now? That you know ain't right. That God needs to set you free from. People come to me and say, Pastor, I'm dealing with A, B, C, or D, whatever the problem is. And this is the thing that I tell them. Look up everything you can find in Scripture about that problem. Whatever it is, you go to the scripture and find out about that and look up that and dig in that and stay in that because it's the truth that will set you free. Not an opinion, not a word. Glory to God. And I believe in that kind of stuff. I, I believe in it. But God's word is the truth. Amen? And the truth shall make you free. Verse 33. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. Glory to God. Bunch of church folks there. How can you say you will be made free? It's a question. They're asking, we ain't in bondage. How can we be made free? Next verse. Jesus answered them. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. He didn't even mix words right there. If you, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. I'm not talking about a mistake. I'm talking about something that you willingly go out and premeditate to do. We all are sinners according to Scripture, and we all fall short of the glory of God, okay? I'm talking about if you say, I'm a Christian, and you premeditate every weekend that you're going to go out and get drunk. Drunkards shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you pre- I'm going to go out and commit adultery. And you're thinking about how you're going to do that. But on, on, on uh, Sunday afternoon after you leave church on Sunday morning. But you're good. On Sunday and you premeditate. Well next week is what I'm going to do. You my friend are not a Christian. You're a sinner. There's a difference in making a mistake. And intentionally going out and doing something. I got excited there at my house because I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm all up in this, man, because I make mistakes all the time. And the devil will beat you up and say, see, you're wrong. You are a sinner. If you was right with God, you wouldn't have done that. Well, I, st- I stumbled. I fell. I done this or that. I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have. It wasn't that I premeditated to go do it. But we'll stumble. If you're a Christian, you're going to stumble. You're going to do things that this word says you ought not do. We don't like that either, do we? Because the devil will use this little old phrase here, found right out of the Bible. You know, 
you know to do it and you don't do it, that's sin. You know to do it and you go on and do that, you sin. You know that, don't you? Uh-huh. But it wasn't with the intent that I wanted to go sin. And when you make a mistake and you stumble, there's this little thing that we call grace. Mercy. And we just don't know how far that goes. How far does that extend? I don't know. I know it's extended to me for 54 years. I don't know if it'll keep going on or whatever, but I know so far I'm good. Amen? Okay, we got to move on. You're liking this so much. I know you are. Because it says you've never been in bondage. We mean that. All right. Verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. In other words, that kind of re-NH what I just talked about. That, that, that sin doesn't abide there. If it's a mistake, guess what? You get on it, it's got, it'll leave. Mercy and grace covers that, and it's gone. But the son, the relationship stays intact. Next verse. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free. You shall be. You shall be. I don't know if I am or not. No, you shall be free. If you have come into right relationship, you confessed your sins, you got right with God, at that point, guess what? You are free. You shall be free. If you're saying, I don't know if, 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 if this is working for me, you're, what you're putting on trial is, is the blood of Jesus sufficient enough to save you and cleanse you from your sins? Let me give you a hint on the answer. It is. His blood is sufficient to cleanse you of all of your sins, to take your dark stained life and wash it and make it white as snow. That's the power in the blood of Jesus. Woo! All of us should have been shouting and done a Jericho march and a dance around the church because that applies to you. His blood is sufficient. To cleanse you of all of your sins. That to me is amazing. Because I have had a lot of sins. And unwillfully I still commit sins. Uh oh, we got a new preacher. He's a sinner. We're going to get one. Well, ask him the same question when you get him. If he's truthful, he'll say, yeah. I sinned yesterday. It didn't mean to, but I sinned, or I sinned here. Come on, this is good stuff. I'm making a point. I want to read verse 36 again. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That is, that the truth shall make you free. In Acts chapter 4, verse 2, watch this. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven... How many do we get to pick from? None. There's just one. Under heaven, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name that you can call upon that will save you. There is no other way to be saved other than asking Jesus Christ into your life. That's it. 
So if someone says, well, I believe in this or I believe... Say, well, I'm sorry that you have incorrect theology. Well, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, that's okay. Well, let's sit down so that I can help you believe in the Bible. Because if you don't believe in the Bible, you ain't saved. Well, that's a twist. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. Well, you can't be saved if you don't believe in the Bible. And unfortunately, that's where we are in today's society. We have people that are grown saying, well, I don't believe all of the Bible. Well, which part do you believe? Let me just guess. It's the blessing part. It's the part that gives you your fire insurance. huh? It's the part where God's going to bring prosperity to you and heal your body. I bet you believe in those. Oh, yeah. Bet you don't believe there's a difficult way, though, to heaven, do you? No, no. He's a loving God. You can just about pin these folks every time. There ain't but one way to Christ. I mean, one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. Only one name according to Scripture. So what are some of the signs that you're in right relationship? Let let me hit my, my high points again. It is God's will that we are all saved. The way, the truth, and the life is only found in Christ Jesus. There is a narrow way to, to heaven, and it is going to be a difficult one. The truth, Christ Jesus, shall set you free. All right? Now, so what are the, some of the signs that you are in right relationship with God? They, look, when I began to look these up, I thought, my Lord, I'm going to have to condense them. I got about three or four. There's just hundreds of these scriptures. But I'm going to bring it down to a few that will hit home. So what are some signs that you are in right relationship with God? In John chapter 14, verse 15. Is it up there yet? It is because I'm looking at it. Can, can we, let's just read that out together. And before you do it, when you get to the part where it says... In the, it says, if you love me, keep my commandment. Say, if I love him. Let's try it that way. If I love him, I'm going to keep his commandments. What a little different twist. See, we like to read this. If you love me. See, that, if, you, if you love him. If you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. But we don't like to do that, I think. You know, it ain't all about me, Pastor. It's about them. We, we read about them. All of a sudden, it changes. No, if you love God, you will keep His commandments. If I love my wife, there's some things I can put off for a while, but I'm going to end up doing them. Am I making any sense? If you ever been in relationship with someone over, but you really didn't want to do anything for them because you, you know you wanted to, they're your friend, but they're only your Facebook friend. They're really not your friend. I always go to somebody and I'll say, "Oh, that's how you doing?" I say, "Man, I, I keep up with you on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook." What does that mean? We're friends on Facebook. That means I stalk you to see if I want to like something you put on or dislike it. That's what that means. Can we be friends based on what you post on Facebook? Because if we don't post the same ideology on everything, we're really not friends. We, Facebook has been a great for Christians. Because we can post scriptures. 
about how much we love Jesus and how awesome he is. And woo! Come to my church, but don't look at my post on Facebook, please. Come on. Don't look back in my history and see what I posted. But I'd love for you to come to church where we love Jesus and we love you. If you agree with us. See, that's the kind of friendship we want with Christ. As long as he's doing what we want and, and we're following in him. And, I mean, he's following us. Lord, you know, I'm in a financial pinch. Could you spare me a couple of thousand? Lord, I'm having an ailment in my body. Could you just go ahead and heal me? Lord, Lord, my relationship with, with this person or that person just ain't right. Could you go ahead and get them out of my life? See, as long as God's there for us when we want him to, we're okay with God. But, but is God okay with us when we don't keep his commandments? If we were to back up a couple of scriptures, one, let me just bring this out. If I can find it real quickly. Maybe I can't find it, so we'll move on. Oh, yes, 831, John 831. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you're not abiding in his word, brings us to this question of are you his disciple? The answer is no. Because Scripture says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. It can't be both ways. It can't be that you're not abiding in his, in his word and be his disciple. It's either one or the other. And he states that if you are my disciples, you'll keep my word indeed. And if you're not keeping my, my commandments, my word, can we make a uh, deductive reasoning that you're not his disciple? Sure we can. Either that or the word of God's lie. One of, them, one of them can't be right. Both of them can't be right, in other words. Either one's right or one's wrong, or they're both right or they're both wrong. It can't be. If you are God's servant, if you're a child of God, you're going to keep his commandments. <whistles> Pastor, you're doing real good till you got there because there's some things I don't like about God in his word that I don't want to do. We'll take it up with God. So let's move on because <clears throat> these are we're talking about some signs that you are in right relationship with God. Again, I just picked that verse. Man, I was so that was brilliant of me. I had it in my notes already, and I was going back, man. So let's move on. First John 2. First John chapter 2, verse 3. First John 2, 3. Now by this we know that we know him. That's fixing to tell us how you're going to know that you know him. It's, 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 there's a comma. There's some more to the sentence. Now, by this, what is this? The next thing we're fixing to read. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we... So, this refers to the commandments. Now, by this, by the commandments... We're going to know, you're going to know if you're blood-bought child of God, if you're walking in right relationship with Christ, you're going to know if you, by keeping his commandments, if you're in right standing. Does this make sense? 
Please don't get confused with, well, I made a mistake. Am I in right standing? You're under grace there. I'm talking about intentional sins. I'm talking about going out here, as I said earlier, and intentionally wanting to go sin. That's really good for most of us right there. That part would be really good. So leads us to this last part of the message. How do I get saved? Well, that's easy. Well, maybe for you. Well, let me ask this question. Are you saved? And if you're not saved, why not? If you're in this house, you came to church uh, I really don't see any visitors. That's what I was looking for. I don't see any visitors. Pretty much all of our own folks here. So nobody was drugged to church. Right? So if you're not saved, how do you get saved? Why, why are you here? What are you, what are you doing here today? Why, why, would you need, why do you feel the need to come to church and not be saved? What, what, I mean, man, it, there's a game on probably. You could be in your pajamas right now. What, 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 why would we come to church? I, I guess this is too simple. I mean, it's just a crazy question. But why would someone come to church for year after year, David? Why would they do that and not want to get saved? Well, let's just say that they're not saved. They're not even saved. They, they're just here. They just come. They're just here. You know, they're just going through life. They're just here. They ain't saved. Don't want to be saved. They're just coming. Why would we do that? Routine. Yeah, that's a good answer. Ease my conscience. I went to church. Do you know that sitting in the church parking lot during church service is actually going to church. You can go to church. You can go to work tomorrow. And somebody said, you go to church? Sure did. I went to church. Well, technically you did go to church. You didn't go in church. But you went to church, right? This property is the church. What we called it. I went to the church. We can go mow the grass. I went to the church mow the grass. Why would we? Why would we do that? I have a question. Just, just don't answer. Or statement. Could it be that the reason we're not sure why we go to church and why we ought to be saved and why we should follow His commandments, could that be a reflection of why so many people don't come to church that are heathens, that need Jesus, that are out in the world? Could, could, could our example be a direct reflection this is some serious stuff. People are going to die. Listen to me. I want you to listen to what I'm thinking. People will die and go to hell based on what they see in you, your example. Not, you're not going to send them to hell. They go to hell because they reject Jesus. Understand what I'm saying. We are to be the church, as we talked a couple weeks, to be what? Salt and light. We are God. Listen to me. 
The Holy Spirit is here with us now. The, the Bible says that Jesus, when he, when he was here, he died, and he went back to the Father. He says, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that is among us right here today, okay, that has been since Jesus uh, ascended, okay, since the ascension on the mount. So the, the Holy Spirit is, is, is that agent. Within that context, you and I are the agents of the Holy Spirit sent into the world to minister to people. Why? Because people associate with people. You work with people. You have dialogue with people. You have reasoning with people. Do you understand that? And, and so, by, the, by our example, could it be that our church houses are empty? People have no desire to come to know Jesus? Could it be that people in our churches sitting on the pew today are not saved because they say, well, I'm as good as this guy or that guy. I do as much as they do. Matter of fact, I do more. I want you to think about this thing. Because this salvation thing is way bigger. And there's, gonna be, there's more responsibility on each one of us to win souls than has ever been preached in the church house. Do you understand that? This is a big deal. Nobody has to go to hell. Nobody has to go through the tribulation. Nobody has to be tormented forever. But guess what? Somebody's waiting on us to come by and talk to them about Jesus. I got an opportunity this week. Matter of fact, David at the farm sale in between some of mine and your, your and I, our conversations. A gentleman walked up to me, and we was talking about things. He said, how's your year? Mine's good. You know, you know the, the junk that you're waiting there saying, God, open the door. Give me the right opportunity, Lord. Let him say something so I can jump in, you know? You don't get excited about that, do you? Man, I'm thinking, you know, if you'll just say, you know, I've got these key words, you know. It's just a little bit. If he mentions church one time, you still pastor? Yeah, I am. And then, man, it just leads in her. You know, just you listen for those things. And he says, he says, we're we talking about good, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we go. And all of a sudden, that thing about, he said this. Man, I don't know what this world's shaping up to be. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. The Lord's behind me saying, that's your cue. Get in the ring, buddy. Yes, Lord. I said, well, I know. He said, Really? I said, yeah, there's this thing called a good and evil. He said, oh, I know it's bad out there. And I said, oh, let me wait just a minute. Hang on. Let me, let me talk a minute. Because then the preacher got into me. And, you know, and, I, and when I told him, I was funny at the end. But, but even let me tell you this. <clears throat> so, so I get so excited, Beth. So we're talking about, and I said, hey, uh, so uh, how are you with Christ? Uh, what, what's your relationship? Oh, man, we're on our way. I said, are you? On your way where? He kind of looked at me. He said, to heaven? And I'm thinking, you don't know if you're going. When you look at me and say, heaven? Is that the right answer? You ought to know, right? You should know that you know that you know down in you know or that you're going to heaven. And I said, you know, there ain't one way. And that's through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good there. I'm good there. I said, well, then that's between you and God. I said, how's that family? 
you know, you could see those blank looks. You know, their, their, their eyes are like their computer's running. What should I say here? Because he knows my kids, or she knows my kids. She knows my life. He knows my life. Oh, what should I say? Well, say the truth. I don't know what it is in their lives. So anyway, I always kid and make it light, but I want them to think. So I got ready. I said, man, we should have been over here around the crowd where the auction is stuff off. We could take up an offering. He just laughed, you know. It set him at ease like, okay, this is serious, but he's kind of funny too. But I didn't ask him for any money. I should have. <laughs> Hunter, if you'll start music, Hunter. Romans 10, 9. You'll think that's funny about money. Most people have a problem with money. My brother called me yesterday. I'm always kidding his brother. He's, he, he goes to the Cleveland, in Cleveland, Mississippi, Cleveland Church of God up there. And uh, he and uh, his pastor and myself, we're friends and have been. And, and so he said, uh, told his pastor last week, he said, uh, you know, uh, pastor said, we ought to start doing what my brother does. He said, what's your brother do? He said, he got a drop box. Slot in the door. If you miss, you just come by there and we can drop your tithe in. And he kind of laughed it off, the preacher did. And he come back to him a little bit and he said, Hey, does your brother really have a drop box? <laughs> kind of lighthearted. We do have a drop box, by the way, if you're wondering. It's right back here on the stand. <laughs> Brought that right back around, didn't I? Amen. Watch this, though. So how do I get saved? How do I get saved? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what does that mean? What does that part of that verse mean? That if I confess Lord as being Lord and Master, He's the King of all kings, if I confess my sin to Him, Lord, I am a sinner the Roman road, as we well know. If I, I am a sinner, Lord, and I have fallen short of your expectations, I know that in myself I've fallen short. So, Lord, I, I need you to forgive me of my sins. You confess what you've done, your sin. You do that with your mouth. And believe in your heart. See, it's more than an intellectual thing. It's more than leading. So here's what we like to do. We love to have people come and kneel with us or talk with us, and we lead them in what we call a sinner's prayer. But we never, we never dive into the next step about the heart. It's easy to get someone to repeat a prayer. I got you a couple of times a day to repeat some verses on a screen. You didn't even know it. You repeated those right off. It's easy to get someone to do that if they think they're going to get something for nothing. How many of you as a kid, as a young child, now some of this won't apply to some of y'all, but ever got in the mail the uh, sweepstakes, the publisher's uh, clearinghouse paper? How many of you said, man, I'm filling it out because I'm getting something for nothing? Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely because they still, there's so many people. And then they got you to sign up on the book club. And so you're spending money for them so they can print more material to send to more idiots, I mean to more people. So they can get more money and you're not going to get anything. Do you know anybody that has ever won the publisher's sweepstakes clearinghouse? Anybody? But I saw it on TV. It's stage. It's a movie. It's TV. 
But it's easy to get somebody to go along with something as long as it don't cost them something. See this heart thing. And believe in your heart. Now that takes it to a whole new realm. I don't want to be where I am. So Lord, you are God. I'm, you are God. And you are God all by yourself. You are God. Now we've got to change the heart. That's a little deeper work than the mouth. So now in, in this, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Whoa. Let me wrap my mind around he did what? God, God did what to who? I mean, think about it. Have you, ever, have you ever made that next step when you led somebody to the Lord? Now, do you believe that, that God was in heaven and he sent Jesus to die on the cross and he lived 33 years. He was born of a virgin. Oh, that'll flip them out right there. They start backing up saying, hmm. The next question out of their mouth will be, do you handle snakes at your church? <laughs> yeah, Wednesday night only. Won't do it during a normal service. Might scare some folks, just Wednesday nights. They're with you until, wait, you're born of a virgin. What do you mean, virgin? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit came and, and, and artificially inseminated her. Oh. See, this is a heart change. That's hard, for your, that's hard for your mind and your heart to wrap around. And then he lived 33 and a half years, and he was died, hung on a cross, and he died, and he was in, in, a, in, a, in a tomb for three days, and then he, he, he got up. He got up. What do you mean he got up? Well, he lives again, huh? There's a thousand questions going on in their mind right now. Right? The answer is yes. But if you believe that, you can be saved. Why? Because if you can believe that, <laughs> salvation ain't a problem. That's why Frank Turry, one of the great apologists, says this. It's, it's harder for me to be an atheist than it is to be a Christian. So, next verse. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Is there, is there more? Yeah. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon the name, upon him. For whoever, say that with me, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I'm going to pick up where I stopped just while I go on those verses. We have no problem leading somebody to Christ through a few words. We can talk to them kind of what I told you about Jesus and believing in your heart that this happened. The real thing about salvation comes when you come along beside somebody. And you say, now that you're saved, I'm going to use you an example. Now that you're saved, I'm going to walk beside you. And we're going to walk out this thing. And when you hurt, I'm going to hurt with you. And when you have a struggle, I'm going to struggle with you. But we're going to keep walking together. Now that's going to, here's what happens. That's going to take up some of your time. It's going to take up a lot of your time. And you know what you're going to do? So as we're walking through this thing, guess what? Her new belief in Christ Jesus, as we're walking through this, she's going to come at me with questions. And you know what that's going to drive me to do? Get in that Word. 
I'm going to drive. I'm going to have to get in that word because I'm going to have to be sharp. Because what? Iron sharpens what? Iron. And so as we walk through this thing, it's struggles. It's life. You can sit down. Thank you. You've been, you've been a wonderful helper. You, you see, that's tough. So see, this salvation thing rests a lot on the church. Glad they got saved. Glory to God. They needed it so bad. I hope to God they make it. You ever heard somebody say, well, I hope they make it. Man, I hope they hang in there. Well, if they don't hang in there, what are you doing to help them hang on? Come on, that's a real question. What is the church body doing to help them hang on? Maybe they're at their last end of the rope. Maybe they're on their last thread. Maybe whatever it is. What are you doing? What is the church doing to help them hang on? You don't have to go to hell. We've had some really good responses on our videos for these last series of, of end times. And I want to tell you that if, you're, if you are listening and you're, you're finishing this little series, that you do not have to go to hell. The Lord Jesus Christ has died for your sins. He has cleansed you. He has redeemed you. He has bought you with a price. You are His. If you confess believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you can be saved. And anyone in this room, if you're not right with Christ, you too can be saved. Church, the burden is not on us to save people. The burden is on us to tell people about Jesus Christ. And if we win souls, it is your burden, listen to me, it is your burden It is your burden to walk along beside that person because they have a greater spiritual connection with you because you led them to the Lord. They are yours, if you will. They come under your wing, and you walk with them. Don't send them to the pastor or to the deacon board or somebody that you think is more qualified. You walk with them. I didn't think I'd get many amens there. Can I bless you? Everybody head bowed. You can stand. Why don't you stand?